Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott, or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda, whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are you ready? It's the Roundtable with me, Robert Bannon. Glory days. Oh, passing by glory days. Do you know that song? Do you remember that song? Well, it's another edition. That has nothing to do with today's interview, by the way. <laughs> Except for the fact that the show is called Glory Days. Today's interview is definitely going to be a fun one if you enjoy the, blur, the, glory, the glory days of it all. You know, aren't these all the glory days, folks? Well, welcome to the round table. I'm Robert Bannon. You're watching us on the Broadway Podcast Network, or I should say listening. You know, I'm still learning what a podcast really is. Isn't it weird that I have a podcast and I don't know what a podcast is? Tell me, what's your favorite podcast if you're listening besides this one? Because I know, I hope you've downloaded us on the Broadway Podcast Network and you're watching us every single day so some shows have become folklores some shows have become iconic and they did not have to have the world's longest run so we're going to talk about the keen company and a one night only benefit concert of a cult favorite with the writers here tonight on the round table are you ready to have some fun who's ready to have some fun whoop, 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 whoop. well i so appreciate you being here it means a lot and uh let's get this show started so Glory Days has been performed in over 50 countries. It has been literally performed all around the world, including on Broadway. And now you can you use your money and your resources and head on down to New York. And next week you can see it done as a benefit for the Keen Company. And they have a cat. Y'all, there's a cast, a cast of singers, Broadway stars, some of our friends here like George Salazar and Colton Ryan and, and Jordan Dobson and a whole bunch of really amazing performers, the people who brought this cult classic, literally bought, brought this cult classic to life are here and they have the most fascinating story and have done so much amazing work. So Nick and James, welcome to the show. Thanks, Robert. Thank you for having us. Oh, I'm so excited. I want people, before we get started, I want people to just know that Glory <laughs> Days, it's one night only Monday, this Monday, February 12th at seven o'clock. So there's not that many tickets left. Y'all are just Selling them, selling them out. Go to keencompany.org slash glory days so you can grab grab your tickets. Nick and James, how did you two meet? Uh, well, uh, as, as literal children, um, we did uh, like after school performing stuff together when we were like 15. 
Um, and it was a, a, a fancy uh, show choir type situation. Totally. But that had a, a, a really stacked group. It was crazy. We were surrounded by insane talent for both from, from Maryland and Atu Blanks and Wood, who's about to play Cliff and, and um, Cabaret played Hamlet this summer. Um, he was, he was uh, coming up there at the same time. Ryan Watkinson, who's done five Broadway shows. Uh, Brian Spatolnik, who's on Broadway. It's like a, something was like really brewing in that group of people at that moment. Um, and so there was a real kind of excitement about like where musical theater was going uh, that we got caught up in for sure. Ooh, and Nick I, and I really, yeah, Nick and I really hit it off pretty early on because I think we had very similar tastes in movies and 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 in musicals and in plays. And, you know, we became very intrigued by what what was considered a musical versus what wasn't. And uh, we we I think from a young age, we're very interested in sort of messing with the form which we love. I love that very much. Nick and James, you, so you, you get together, you, you have, this, and you're, you're, you start to write. James was writing always something that you wrote the book for, for this show in particular, but was writing always the goal? Was it, were you always a writer? No, not for me at all. I, I was a, an actor first and foremost. And uh, this, you know, Glory Days was really Nick's idea. You know, it came to him, after his freshman year of college. And it was an experience that actually had happened with his friends. And he started writing it. And we were hanging out a lot that summer just because we're good friends. And he was showing me stuff. And and I don't know who suggested the idea of, of me helping write the book at the time. But um, that's sort of what pulled me into, into writing. So no, I, it was not something that I had really explored prior to that. But Nick, Nick, it was something that Nick had been doing before that in high school. I know that he had written something like a one man musical in high school. And um, so, yeah, it was definitely uh, it was definitely Nick's baby at the beginning. But, at, you know, as it as it progressed and went on, it became something that both of us very much had our hands in. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. I don't think it would have happened without James because I, I, I just was like really flailing in the dark on like I know how to, I knew how to write a pop song then, um, but really contextualizing songs, it's actually, it feels like it's the hardest part of writing a musical is just why does the song start? What happens in it? How does it push the story forward? And especially for us wanting to, as James said, kind of push the form. It's like, how can you do that in a pop idiom without being uber specific about and literal? Um, and uh, and yeah, I mean, as James mentioned, I, we have similar tastes, but I, I think in a lot of ways, I admired James's taste uh, as it, it reaches beyond stuff that I knew. Um, and uh, and so it was like, okay, well, let's talk about our town. Let's talk about suburbia, not just mm -hmm. as like plays we've seen, but like what are they doing on a functional level that is innovative or innovative for their time and has stood the test of time, those, those examples. 
the fantastics was also something we talked a lot about um because it's just like one of the things aside from you know the way musical theater is written it feels like there's a barrier to entry for a lot of uh a lot of people to produce musical theater because the sets are big and the casts are big and the budgets are impossible and that just felt like so elitist in a way and it's like okay well let's make something that we could actually put up with a just a band and a bench um and then maybe our friends their colleges could do it and and that became this this sort of dictating principle that kept the show uh, a really manageable uh scope and this idea of like have we seen a show that takes place in real time over one night i mean maybe as a play but as a musical maybe not and so it became really exciting this idea of like indie pop musical theater which i if i may say so it's you guys are very ahead of your time i mean in 2008 uh when this show comes out on broadway it's new and unique and what is this but now it is the trend like you have started are part of the people who at the forefront of this trend of creating the modern musical which is what you guys had done nick this idea about you know the a year after high school and the bullying and the what happened, the trauma of our high school experiences and friendships coming back together, yeah. just as relevant, maybe more relevant and spoken about in 2024 than as it was back then. Is this yeah. story based on true events? Oh yeah. As James said, yeah, it, it, it very much is. And I think, uh, you know, it's, it's the interesting thing about, I would suggest anybody who has an idea in high school or college uh, and is scared about, you know, finishing it, finish it and do it because no matter how it goes then it's gonna be contextualized by time in a really um exciting way almost almost um a guarantee because as you age you you are able to look back on your work and, and see what you kind of accidentally bottled about that uh experience and and so for me i was writing about a thing that happened um and we dramatized that, you know, a little bit, but it, we just had rehearsal for our, uh, for the, um, the keen benefit coming up symphony space on Monday. And, and it was just fascinating to hear the words, you know, from a, a, a 40 year old set of ears, uh, because it was like, oh yeah, like this is, we, at the time we didn't necessarily know we were writing this, but there's, there's just something in there about you know, the way men treat each other that can be quite toxic and the sort of um, the sort of aspiration of maleness that we all get taught to value uh, that I think in a lot of ways, my friendship with James has has really reframed. And I think that was something we were both after is like, OK, so we are men, but like I don't I don't like love sports. I don't love like the bravado that you're sort of told as a man you need to have to like take on the world. I, I we're both kind of like, you know, sappy guys. And so I, I think to, to sort of balance a show where like the villain is that, that uh, toxicity of, of maleness was something that, you know, was on our minds. And as you said, like was a product of being bullied in middle school where a lot of theater people, you know, find their drive from that, like, I'll show them thing. And that's like very much what the show's about. But then that gets deconstructed and, and sort of tested in a way. And the show, in some ways, is like smarter than we were in writing it. It just kind of caught something that now has been bottled and, and done, as you said, all over the world. And that's this like 
real honor of like, oh yeah, you know, we we have a personal connection with the people who who did it because they saw a similar thing in themselves that we saw in ourselves. Well, and universal, and that's why it's literally been done, like you said, literally all around the world. James, you have, both of you, have other credits, other things that you you run a theater company down there in DC. You know, you are, uh, you, you've done other works and you've written and you've, and all of this stuff, the work around the world. Nick has, other, you know, a hundred million other different musicals that he's written with some D Watts and, and Ethan Slater and all sorts of fancy, dancy Broadway stars like Nick is as well. James, but the show keeps coming back. The glory days keep cycling back. So what is that like that after, you know, 15 plus years uh, up since this show's New York moment that this show is still lives and still is still yeah. resonates with so many people. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to U.S. News & World Report, we're the 25th top-paying career. Make an impact as a fact-seeker and a truth-teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you. I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing that it keeps sort of coming back just when you think like oh i think maybe people have moved on from this show now there's always there's something that you know like during uh, uh covid it, it had a its second japanese production this huge production over there that you know we got to see because it was streamed um on broadway hd right am mm -hmm. i making that up yeah um but it's just it's it's wild you know and the interesting thing is like right after the show closed in new york we were approached by some companies to to dive back into it and to re-examine it and to to uh to, you know give it another give it another go and i think nick and i at the time rightly were kind of like nah you know what like let's let's give this some distance and let's let it breathe before we ever try to go back into it um and I think also having that distance now of allowing ourselves to come back to it now at the age that we're at now, um, I think when I wrote it, I would have gone, oh, well, if I wrote it at the age of 39 or 40, things would change. Things would be different. And looking at it now, there's not much that I want to change because it's very honest and truthful to who we were at that age. I mean, we started writing a show about 18 year olds when we were 18 years old. Yeah. yeah wow. it's, a fascinating, it's a fascinating thing because I mean, it, you, it, what is good writing? You know, like as you learn, as you learn more about the rules of writing, they actually, they, even though they, they open up a lot of opportunities of like, okay, now I can write something with a trustworthy structure that's going to do the things that you expect of a story. You're also kind of corroding that 
youthful instinct to try something new, even if you don't know if it'll work or not. And I, I, I definitely feel the pressure of prevailing wisdom as I get older and, and trying to kind of continue to fight against the instinct to do it like everybody else is doing it. Um, and so to have like a sort of a piece that reminds us of that um, in all of its imperfections is is just so fascinating that like what art actually is, is this, you know, exp this messy expression. And like the more perfect it is, you know, it might it might be um, more commercial or saleable or whatever, but you do lose something when you start like picking at it. Right. And so we've been trying to be really careful about that. Ooh, I'm excited. So, so how, Nick, how did this, what do we expect on Monday? We have an all-star cast. My God, it's, it's like an embarrassment of riches because first of all, let's start with Keen Company because I had known about Keen when they did Marry Me a Little with Jason Tan and Laura Molina. And I was like, oh, that's cool that they're taking that show and really like looking at it as a piece and not, not trying to like do a, a sort of Sondheim legacy project, which I feel, I remember reading, um, you know, interviews with Sondheim saying like, when he was like 75, I feel like I'm already dead because everyone keeps honoring me, you know? And I thought, oh, well, Keen's not really doing that. They're like really doing the play as, as if it's a play and not a, a tribute piece. Um, and so when I got the offer to do Tick, Tick, Boom there in 2016, I could feel that same energy that it wasn't like, let's do this because it'll be trendy and sell out. It was like, well, Nick, you're a composer. Like, how many composers have we seen play this part? Lynn had just done it at um, uh, City Center. And I think that was an interesting idea of like, okay, well, what if, you know, Raul, when he did it at um, Off Broadway, Raul Esparza did it in 2001, he didn't play the piano very much. And and it was, it was like, okay, well, here's an actor playing Jonathan Larson. But like, just the fact that they thought of me for the show was like, oh, that's interesting. Like, you're trying something. Um, and I fell in love with Jonathan Silverstein. I think he's one of the best directors in New York and he's the artistic director of Keen as well. So there's this like macro vision that he's able to really, um, curate. And so when he came to us with this, it was like, ah, yeah, we're, we're going to get to really look at this as a play with actors rather than, you know, what I think like we've had a lot of really wonderful nights in our lives because of the show, including like the record release for the album back in 2009, that was like kind of a reunion concert night. Like we had everyone who's ever done the show there and it was like 25 actors and it was totally emotional and cathartic and I'm glad we did it. But like to do reunion concerts for the rest of the life of this show would sort of be saying that the show doesn't have any value on its own. Um, and I think what's just so heartening and we needed Johnny to say it was like, oh, no, no, no. There's something in here that that time has done to it where now it's a period piece. And now we're looking at it through the lens of 2024, which, as you said, Robert, is a very different time than pre-recession 2008 um, for maleness, for the world, for the whole, for music, for the whole thing, for the state of musical theater. So to be coming back to it now is exciting with Keen, and then on top to the icing of having these remarkable actors. You mentioned George and Jordan and Colton and Derek Klenna, who are just like incredible artists and people who 
have time and time again shown a, a deep exploration of the stuff that they work on. And this first rehearsal that we had, which was just so fast and furious, they came in with, with so much uh, of their own lives and their own artistry that woke up the text in this way that I, I kind of couldn't believe as it was happening. It just felt like we'd been rehearsing for three weeks. Woo. Well, I, it's going to be a, um, a magical night. If you see Nick, you know, you may have seen Nick on, on your television screens this past award season in some films and projects and work and all of that fun stuff. And uh, James, you are coming up from the DC area. Yes. You're going to come up. You're going to get blown away by this group of people. <laughs> Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> and then you have a big old party Monday night. That's right. And uh, of course, like you said, King Company, the money raised uh, at 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 this event goes to providing art. They are in the five boroughs of New York, and art is such an underfunded thing for all the kids in education. That there's all these musical theater brilliant minds that are the next generation of writers that are in New York City and performers. And the money that you use will be able to be put towards programming so that they can be able to write. Like they wrote when they were youngsters, and then their work will be in Japan and in, and all South America and Europe and all around the world. Literally, that's, that's the that's the dream, man. Is like you know, it, it really does feel like we're standing on the shoulders of the people who were coming up when we were in high school. And like, isn't that what you do? You you craft your entire aesthetic around like the music you listen to in high school. You can't escape it for the rest of your life. And so to now be doing a show where younger people are going to come see it and hopefully have a reaction that makes them want to go make art, you know, whether they like it or not, like it doesn't actually matter. I think half the, half the things that I um, am driven by are like, Oh, I loved that show. Or like Merrily we roll on the fact that Merrily's on Broadway right now in this kind of definitive production is so wild. I would imagine to James mm -hmm. too, and, and I, cause we grew up thinking like no one's ever going to try to, like you know really investigate this work it's like an unbelievable piece of writing and and then over the years they have and it's yeah. it's a special kind of musical theater the ones that really you know take a stab at something that might not be easily repeatable um and really dependent on the chemistry of the artists involved and merrily shows that and not that we're comparing glory days to merrily but it, like we're inspired by that show mm -hmm. and the fact that it didn't do well you know, it's that hilarious thing of the stuff that flops when it comes out. And then, you know, it, it just sort of creates its own cult status over time. That's a really big honor to be a part of that kind of that kind of work. Well, that's what I love about it. And your perseverance and that the show is still being done 20 plus years later all around the world. And that it, you're still you you never give up. You keep writing, you keep working. And and uh, uh, and I know what you all have must have been through through those days. And now look. All these years later, it's like everything comes full circle and is, is back at it again. There'll be a sold out house on Monday night. There's like four tickets left, so you better grab a seat while you can. Go to keencompany.org backslash glory days. You could grab your tickets. It's going to be a great night, and you'll see some of your favorite Broadway stars. They'll be there hidden around, so make sure you say hey. And uh, we're so excited and grateful that you spent some time with us today. Thank you so much for being here. Congratulations. Oh, thanks, Robert. Thank you, Robert. There you have it. My whole album's called Unfinished Business because you don't give up. Never, ever, never, ever give up. Never, ever, ever. And uh, this show's never going to give up. We're going to keep going for 500 million more episodes. So don't go anywhere. Follow me at Robert M. Bannon. Go to robertbannon.com. Listen to us on the Broadway Podcast Network every single day because I have no life. And I just love to talk to artists about art. And I appreciate you all for being here. Uh, Till next time, remember that the best 
hey, we just learned about it tonight. The best surely is yet to come. Until next time, bye, everybody. Thanks for being here. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.